Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today we're talking about what winning over yourself really takes. It requires taking an honest look at what is causing you to suffer and finding the courage to transform it deep within. Our guest is Jamie from Davis, California, who shares her journey using her Buddhist practice of chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo to battle her own anger, which began at a young age. And on the way, she discovered a beautiful person within. Here's Jamie. So my name is Jamie. I am 26 years old. I'm calling from Davis, California, which is nearby Sacramento, California. And I am a consultant actually at a management and strategy IT consulting firm. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you again for taking the time to have this conversation. I know we're going to get into some real stuff today. And I'm really excited about this topic because I think in some way, everybody can relate to what we're going to talk about. But I always like to start at the beginning, which is if you could just briefly tell me the story of how you first encountered Buddhism and what was going on at the time such that you wanted to start chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Yeah, totally. So actually, so my parents started practicing independently, they met and then they had me. And so like, that's kind of how I was like encountered Buddhism. I don't remember when I literally first started chanting because my parents were doing it at, you know, like, even before I was born when I was just still in the womb, but I chose to start practicing for myself, like really, you know, of my own, like intentionally, I guess, when I was in the eighth grade, actually it was while I was stuck at my grandparents' house, like over the summer in Japan for three months, they lived in a very quiet suburb and I was stuck at home for most of the day. And it was hard for me to communicate with people because I didn't know Japanese and I was just so bored. And so I, I just decided, you know, to chant, do this thing my parents, you know, always do. Right. And so I just started chanting and I just felt so, it felt so good to chant. And so when I returned back to the United States, I actually like continued, continued because it felt just like so, I don't know, just something inside of me felt so positive and happy when I chanted. So I'm like, this might be something I can continue to do when I get back home. So yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. What a young age. But yeah, I agree. Like even before you necessarily dive into the philosophy or understand it, chanting can and does just feel good. So <laughs> I love that. So maybe I know we'll talk about like, you know, many different kind of periods of life, but just when you first started chanting, do you remember any kind of early experiences where you started to witness, oh, something is changing in me and I actually think I want to commit to doing this? I don't know. I guess like so many, like I, but maybe the first one that I can think of is actually like with when I was in high school. Well, actually in a relationship, I, I I actually was like chanting all year to go to prom as a junior. There was like a senior prom and I just really, my parents told me I could chant about anything. And so I really like chanted to go to the senior prom because I thought it was really, be really cool. But I didn't like, I didn't know anybody, like I didn't know any seniors. So I was like. Yeah, I don't know. I just like guess I like chanted about it all year, but it actually ended up happening. Like I ended up meeting like someone towards the end of the year and like they didn't have anyone to go with either. 
And so we went together. And funny enough, that person is actually like my partner now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> that's actually like a really big one now that I think about it. But that's kind of, yeah. Anyways, yeah, we live together. He's my partner. And that's like the first thing that I was like, wow, like that really just like came out of thin air. I didn't know this person. And then like, yeah, we just, you know, somehow got connected and yeah, went to prom together. Oh so yeah, goodness. that's kind of why I started sticking with it. I was like, wow, this must really work. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that also goes to show like, you know, a simple wish as a teenager, which might <laughs> seem like nothing much could actually become a profound thing in your life. I, that's we should have talked about that for this episode. I know. It was like, I was like, dude, actually, I it took me a long time to like, I'm like, actually, that was like a huge one. And actually, that kind of led to my like subsequent ones. I Afterwards, I chanted, I actually in applying for colleges, I had like, applied to a bunch of these schools and I got rejected from most of them, except for this one I got on the wait list for. And yeah, just like chanting to get off the wait list of that school, which I did. And like, I don't know, actually, now that I think about it, that one experience that I had made me realize like, wait a second, I can actually like impact like the reality I live in. So yeah, thank you for letting me share that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'll ask some follow ups about that later. But I feel like what you're describing, and many people who are like new to Buddhism do obviously ask, how does it work? What can I chant about? What should I think about? And these like small experiences that are just like something connected to your daily life, whatever age you are, whatever stage of life you're at, like those are the things people start to chant about, like whatever's in your heart in a sense. But then it sort of like uncovers this much deeper, much longer process of like what we call human revolution or like the deeper tendencies in our own life that hold us back that we start to discover and need to transform. So I feel like you're already alluding to today's theme because that's what I wanted to unpack with you. And I appreciate you being willing to talk about this because I know, you know, it requires some vulnerability, but just to sort of preface it before I ask, you know, the topic we wanted to explore today is like how Buddhism can help us win over ourselves, which is kind of the key ingredient of like inner transformation or human revolution. And, uh, you know, the things that we have to win over look different for everyone. Obviously, we're all different people, different karma, different life experiences. But I understand that in your case, it sort of has been this like profound lifelong shift with anger and resistance. So if as much as you're comfortable sharing, if we could start, you know, with the beginning, what was sort of going on in your life or what did this struggle look like for you before you began to address it using Buddhism? Yeah, I think it's, and you know, it's now that I look back, I actually think this is many people might be able to relate to this, but I just really felt like, you know, my, not my parents too, but also other sources in my environment. I just started feeling this like intense pressure starting around like fifth or sixth grade, you know, going into that like kind of tween teen time to just like, you know, be something or be a certain thing. And I just felt like also these sources, these like, you know, my environment, like my parents and also like, you know, sometimes at school too, I just felt like no matter like what I tried to be, like I was just felt this like intense, like criticism for it. Like, you know, um, like I feel, you know, I remember like, you know, and I guess this mainly did manifest like, you know, at home with my parents, but I just feel like I remember just, you know, like my taste in music, like my clothes. And like, I think like, as like a young kid, it was, it, to me, it kind of was just like, I felt like I was innocently just exploring like, you know, the type of person that I wanted to become, but yeah, just like, <laughs> like, you know, I feel like my parents intensely resisted. Yeah. I like, like to listen to like hip hop, like, you know, rap. I'm from like, yeah, Northern California Bay area. And so it's like pretty common, like, or yeah, it's like mm. some 
pretty common, right? But yeah, just getting like, you know, criticized for that, you know, clothes that I wore, yeah, people that I hung out with, but it kind of left me feeling like, like it didn't matter. It's like, even when I tried, like tried so hard to give the right answer, like it just felt like I was being judged for like, whatever it was. And I feel like this left me with like, a very deep yeah, like anger and resentment, right? I think some people I've noticed, it's interesting, like kind of bottle it up more and kind of go like, yeah, hold it within them. But I definitely like it for me, really it turned into like something that I projected outwards. Like I wanted to fight back actually from this like criticism and this like negativity, like I felt like from my environment to like turn, like make me be something. And like, I didn't even understand what it was, but it's kind of like where it started. Yeah. Like I just started like rebelling basically. Like I didn't, want to listen to my teachers like I just wanted like crack jokes in class because like I don't know like I just like didn't want to listen to them like I just like yeah just like literally in every way you can think of like acting out like I just did right and I really felt like it kind of rooted from this like feeling of like resentment and like anger right it's like nothing I it doesn't even matter right like if if I try to like fit society standards it's not going to like yeah, I'm going to be wrong anyways. So yeah, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hear you. It's just hearing you say this, because I now, you know, it, I know now it's been years since that kind of time period. But I was actually just thinking of somebody that I recently met who is in high school and kind of experiencing a similar feeling, obviously different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it's quite universal because it's also an age when you're just trying to figure out who you are. And it's like hard to figure out your place in the world. And at the same time, you know, there are generational differences, there are cultural differences, there's so many things to navigate that nobody shows you how to do. So it's interesting that you discovered Buddhism or had the tool of Buddhism available to you at that young age. I'm curious, like, when, was there a point when you were like, I should start chanting about this feeling, or I should start chanting about, you know, my behavior or how I'm feeling? That's like such a good question. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because I was like completely, I was honestly like so blind to it for like the longest time, but it just like drove my life. But the point where I decided like, yeah, maybe I should like start figuring this out is actually when I was, I was in high school, I actually got into, you know, my my parents and I would get into these really like intense shouting matches. And I actually got into like a really bad fight with my dad that actually like created like a huge just like a void between us it was like we were so estranged for so long and you know my I I mean at the time I really like disliked my parents I actually really hated them but like the chaos it created in my environment and like yeah it just made me realize like wow like I if I don't you know, I was like, like in that specific argument, I remember thinking like, you know, I think my parents are like totally in the wrong too. Like, I'm not willing to like admit complete fault, which is what I felt like they were trying to like, you know, we got into this huge fight and it's all your fault, even though like we both kind of created this like, you know, feud. So I just remember thinking like, I'm not willing to just like, I'm not gonna just like admit full fault. That's like completely, it's completely like doesn't feel right. But I also remember thinking like, also I'm noticing that, you know, this is just creating so much chaos in my life and I don't change it like really soon. This is just going to become my reality. And <laughs> I remember thinking like, I, maybe I can just try chanting to resolve. And it, I didn't even know it was my anger at first. It was just manifesting in my parents. I just remember, you know, actually, you know, one of my friends in the Buddhist community at the time, I was still like a junior, like yeah, senior in high school maybe. But I remember 
them encouraging me to really just chant for my parents. And I was like, I don't know about that. But I remember what she said, actually, after we got into this big fight, I'm like, you know, maybe I can just like try doing it, even though I really don't want to, maybe I can just like try it a little bit and like, see if, you know, my heart will change. Right. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. because I knew like, even though I really didn't care for my parents' happiness, I knew I wanted to be happy and like whatever this was causing me to be unhappy. So I don't know. Sorry. That's like, did I answer your question? But like, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. Kind of started to chant about this seriously when I started to realize it's going to affect my happiness long-term. So yeah. 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 Because I, I feel like what you're actually touching on is a super important Buddhist concept, which is the oneness of life and its environment. Like when we struggle with something, and this applies to many situations, but when we struggle with something in our lives or something in our environment rather is causing us pain or suffering, it's not possible for it to cause us pain or suffering if there isn't also some sort of a cause in our life that it Mm -hmm. is like it's the button is being pushed in a sense. So yes, I mean, I'm sure at that age, your parents are your environment. Like that's what it is to be a minor. (laughs) But I mean, like once you sort of leave the nest, if that suffering still exists in your life, then like maybe there's something more to it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So as much as you're comfortable sharing, of course, like after high school, because I know that this was you know, a multi-year kind of experience. Was that sort of pattern something that you still experienced in other spaces as well? Yeah, absolutely, actually. So I left from, I grew up in Davis, like I said, and I actually got into that. I was talking about that one university that I got off the waitlist to. It was in Los Angeles. And I was so hyped to go because I was like, you know, maybe I'm just having problems because like I'm on the wrong side of California. Like I legitimately thought this as a whatever 17 or 18 year old. So like, yeah, it's in Southern, it's in LA. It's going to be amazing. It's close by, close to like a beach or whatever. And so I went and like, I totally, and like thinking like, you know, this is going to be like a fresh new start. Right. But of course, because like I had it changed at all. Like it all started, it just create, I created the same environment for myself instead of, but instead of, you know, really, of course, yeah. Instead of really like my parents being that kind of critical force or that thing really triggering anger in me in my environment. It actually, I actually, so the school that I went to, it was like a private Jesuit university. And I think private schools are like great. I think definitely though, the people that went, I went to a public school and I noticed that the people that went to that school were so like different than me. And I think like, I felt very like juxtaposed to them. And like, even that, like that juxtaposition, like made me angry towards them and like really my entire environment. Like, I can't even tell you how many times I got written up for causing trouble in my dorm. (laughs) Just, (laughs) yeah, because yeah, you know, and I was trying to do like things that, you know, you see on TV as like an American, like, you know, high school or like what you're supposed to do. And you know, your freshman year of college, but this is like a Jesuit, like private school. They were not having any of this. And it was also like, I was also in like an all girls dorm to make it worse. But yeah, like, so like, just literally, I cannot tell you how many times, like, I was becoming a problem. But yeah, so to answer your question, it absolutely did. The situation actually did absolutely did recreate itself without my parents being there. So yeah, Yeah, so so just to backtrack for a second. So in terms of like how, how and when you decided to start using your Buddhist practice to actually tackle this. So first there is sort of this encouragement from your friend when you were still in high school, like to chant for your parents' happiness. And then, yeah, did anything start to change when you did that or, and how, you know, how did your Buddhist practice then develop after you sort of graduated and continue to experience this on your own, in your Mm. own environment? 
Yeah, no, totally. So like she encouraged me to chant for my parents and I kind of started, but I wasn't like really chanting consistently in high school either. So I feel like, like I also, it was like kind of like the seed of that idea was planted in my mind. And like, I was just like, yeah, I'll have it there. Maybe I can try this. But um, the urgency didn't really reveal itself until I had realized I was in the same situation in college. And part of, you know, of course, part of that was just like, you know, my behavior at the school, but I also, you know, being away from my parents and realizing that, you know, there are other people, obviously not everybody, but there were other people, you know, my roommate in particular, I remember she had a really close relationship with her parents and I was just like so alone and like lost my freshman and sophomore year. And to be able to see people like reaching out, like, oh yeah, I called my mom, right. To, and I told her about what was going on. I'm like, I didn't call my parents. Like, I was, you know, I had no, you know, I hated them. I had no relationship with them. We just fight all the time. So I think like when I started to kind of connect the dots about like, you know, my relationship with my parents, right. This, yeah, like tumultuous past that we have is really like and not having a resolution from it is really causing me to suffer like I can't just like like bye parents I'm in college right like I don't have to deal with you anymore it was really causing me to suffer I realized like wow I really want to you know start to chant to transform that again and it really it really took a it doesn't not every like transformation has to take a long time but I think for me it had to take a long time honestly like I would chant for my parents happiness and then like I'd be like okay like you know, I'm determined not to like have a blow up with them. But then I would like encounter them and then I would have a blow up. <laughs> like they would say something and I would blow up with them, right? And then it's like the aftermath, I would realize like, wow, like, you know, what happened again, right? But I started to realize that like, I, I was noticing that I was having blow ups, right? In the past, like I kind of just, the fights would happen and I would still be so upset. And I, it's like, I wasn't even connecting the dots that like I probably shouldn't be fighting with my parents or like, you know, I want, I don't want to fight with my parents in that. And then I realized like slowly that like awareness that I'm blowing up, like when I encounter them turned into like, okay, I'm going to chant to like catch myself like Mm. before I have a blow up. And that took like, you know, I had to like really chant about that. And, you know, of course, like it was like, oh my gosh, like it happened again. And like, I remember like once we had a fight and like, I realized like a second after I had, it's like, I had already said all these terrible things to my parents, but I had like realized the second after I said it, I was like, oh my gosh, wait, I did it again. And then like, you know, but eventually I, I actually caught myself like, like three seconds before I blew up. I remember it was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like emotional because like, I've like talked to like other young women who have like gone through the same thing and like experienced the same sort of like angry blow-ups and like just being able to like tell them that like, you know, just like catch yourself like three seconds before, you know, three seconds before a blow up, it will like, like all you need is those three seconds to like, like to like reroute and being able to like chant about that too. Like, I can't tell you like how impossible it felt to like not just like be so triggered and blow up when something upset me, you know? So I guess like, sorry, that's like a really, <laughs> I don't know why I'm watching, but like, no, no. yeah, just, I guess like a long answer is like, yeah, I just really like, it was really like slow and it was always, I guess like the reason why I would like keep coming back and chanting about it and start like continue to chant about it was cause it was like still causing me suffering. Right. But it's like, I would learn a little bit more about like what was happening inside of me and like, I'd be able to like read it, I guess, like reorient, we'd say like redetermine, right. In our Buddhist community, I was able to redetermine to like chant, to like 
tackle something else. And then I would like get there. Right. And then like, I'd realize like, wow, this is actually like leading me down. It's like this even deeper path of human revolution. Right. And it kept going until, yeah, I don't know, like until it really like every, everything transformed. Right. So yeah, mm. that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you so much yeah. for sharing. Cause yeah, I mean, what you're describing is like the hardest kind of work one can do, I think, you know, to, to be able to like really change your own reaction to something. It's not even like changing your, your intentions and like planning out what action to take towards something is easier than like changing how you react to something by default. Yeah, I would say, sorry, just to add, I would say that is because I think part of it requires you to actually like take an action and make a mistake about it. Cause like, that was mm -hmm. like what was happening. I would like really like chant and like be like oh my gosh like I don't want like you know I really like don't want to make this like not, not mistake but like yeah I mean it kind of was like I don't want to take this action and then I would like fail to do it but that would like lead me to like chant about like you know just like like you know just like beating it so but I think also like maybe like part of the reason why it might be harder to intentionally plan out things is because you're not really like like letting yourself like kind of mess up and like feel the like kind of pain that it causes, but it's that pain. Like if you can take it to, you know, the Gohon zone, if you can like use Namiyo Harenge Kyo to transform that, like that's the fuel, like that kept me going back to like, <laughs> like fully like rooted out of my life. So yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I feel like it can apply to so many situations, like whether, you know, in this case, if it's just like, I don't want to respond from this place of anger, I don't want to say or do things that I'll regret. But for someone else, it could be like depressive episodes, or it could be so many things that just like mm -hmm. our own kind of negativity can take us over. And then mm -hmm. I remember someone once saying in the Buddhist community, like, I think I was like asking, what does like progress or success look like when it comes to these kind of battles? Like, it, it isn't like a oh, I got the job or I did the thing. It's like so personal and long and dark and complicated. And I remember them sharing, it's like when the time between you falling down decreases, that's the growth. Like that's how you know that it's transforming. And I was like, oh my gosh, I and I've held on to that <laughs> forever. Mm -hmm. So it sounds similar to what you're describing. Like it's okay to keep falling down, but it becomes less. And then those three seconds, you just, they become default mode. Right, no, absolutely. Yeah. So if you don't mind my asking, just to zoom out a little bit, because I feel like you just sort of unlocked or like described really this like this tool that we can use to like change a deeply ingrained pattern. But like the why of why do that? Like why put in all of that work? Why take responsibility? You know, what if you really were wronged? And in some cases, it's like, anger is a response to genuinely being wronged and then someone might be listening and be like okay but I can't just I can't just forgive you know or you know in other cases it could be different but I'm just curious like what motivated you to start making that effort like was there a turning point or like a, anything you know that that pushed you like okay I'm really gonna dig into this and I really want to transform this in terms of how it impacted the rest of your life does that make sense? Yeah, totally. This is like so weird, but it's actually the anger that itself that like motivated me to like, like really keep at it because like, I just remember like, so if you like think about it too, right? Because like, as a younger person or as like a kid for my parents or as a student at the school, right? Like, I'm kind of in the like, the less power or right, the less authoritative like position, right? I and like the reason why I think like the 
driving like force between me fighting back and the first time is because I was like so angry. I just wanted to like get back at this like bigger force. So actually it genuinely started because I was like, you know what? Like, like I know I'm mad, but it's like not a productive anger. And like, I remember thinking to myself, like if you were really mad, you would just like, like we can just like, you know, (laughs) we can just like completely become independent from, I can become completely independent from my parents and just like, you know, like kind of, I was like, I'll show them, right? Or like with my school, right? Like they think I'm like this like troublemaker, like, oh, I'll show them. It was actually like that anger in the first place and just being tired of like fighting and losing, right? To these more powerful forces that kind of drove me to really take it to the next level. And I knew because my, you know, I was, you know, I encountered this Buddhism from such a young age. Like I had, you know, heard so many crazy stories about crazy things happening. I'm like, there's no reason why like I cannot become successful and show all these people that tell, that are like making me feel like I'm not worthy that I am, you know, there's no reason. And so that kind of is what kind of kept me going. Right. It was that, that's the desire to like show others like, no, like, you know, you're wrong. And, you know, kind of like screw you in a way. So it transformed, of course. Right. Like I, I ended up transforming, like, you know, I guess like the more angry side of that too, but it's interesting how like the same feeling, like, kind of motivated me to like move forward right so yeah it's interesting because that's like the 10 worlds like the no feeling and we did a tips and insights episode on this which is Mm -hmm. like a little explainer for anyone who's listening that wants to just understand that concept but yeah it's like everyone has these different life states anger is one of them and then there's like hell and hunger and animality and then there's all these like positive life states or more positive ones rather on this like spectrum but within each and every world is also buddhahood or enlightenment so like you can be angry and it's okay to be angry but you can tap into the most enlightened version of that anger and like utilize it (laughs) and it will honestly like that's like the biggest thing i just like love that about this buddhism is like you can just start wherever you are as long as you just like bring it to the gohonzon and apply this practice to it it will like transform like i like you know everything has changed now but like i can tell you like I'm not sitting here being like, oh yeah, like I should kind of in a joking way, but like, it's not like I'm sitting here being like, oh yeah, like screw my parents. Like, you know, I showed them or like my school. I actually like have like the deepest appreciation for them now. It's, it's I, yeah, I, yeah, I have the deepest appreciation for the circumstances I was in, the people that the resident nurse, the, the resident admin admins or whatever, like my parents, right. That all were kind of these like quote unquote oppressor, like, you know, oppressive forces at the time. But yeah, at, in the beginning, it wasn't that way at all, but because I was able to to like apply this practice to it, it transformed into that. So yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah. So, so basically what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, in college start to, you know, use chanting to tackle like these blow ups with your parents and just start to become a lot more aware of your own anger and your own reactions, which is like a incredibly profound and difficult thing to engage in but of course like life tendencies like this are long they take a long time to transform and so I'm curious like for you what you know I guess like what your victory looks like in this what sort of did the outcome of all of that work look like yeah no absolutely so basically what happened was and you know what I decide like you said I decide to start tackling this by applying the practice and like I was slowly you know I was like slowly becoming a better 
you know, becoming a better person was slowly being able to start reorienting. I was going to meetings. I was chanting more. I was studying, you know, Buddhist concepts and the writings of Nichiren Dai showed in a little bit more, like, like slowly, like picking up one by one. But I feel like that, like the root hadn't really been like truly like addressed and like ripped out of my life. And I honestly, like, I don't think I was ready until, you know, like six months. I remember, I, I remember start, I decided to start tackling this my second semester of my sophomore year. And it actually, I don't think I was ready to like concretely address the root cause of all, like the fundamental like, root of it all until the end of that semester. I was actually like at, you know, I was at a party with some friends over a weekend and like some stuff happened. And I actually got into like a really, really bad situation. That was a close call. Yeah. Just like really a close call in my life and like, you know, rippling effects forward. And I remember like in the aftermath of everything, just thinking like, wow, like I just had this like moment of clarity where, and it's so interesting because like what had happened was like an escalation of several incidences that had happened beforehand. Right. And just to have it happen and realize, I just like remember realizing, wow, like if I don't change like this anger that's causing me to suffer, it's going to ruin my life. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like just very, this very clear thought clear as day came into my mind. And, you know, from that moment forward, it was really just like no looking back, like literally from that point, I just did not look back. I remember, of course, like I'm still like chanting and doing everything that I was doing, but just like with this awareness that like, you know, this is like, this is what I need to transform. Like, I just don't, yeah, this is what I need to transform, like period, you know? So as I was chanting about this, I start to get all this wisdom about other decisions to get in my life. I remember realizing like, wow, like I, I really don't have any study skills because I kind of just like goofed off in high school and I couldn't pay attention. I, and I thought, you know, and it's so funny and this is kind of where my current partner comes in. He had also transferred back to our hometown to go to community college. And so I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, he's back there. So maybe it would be cool to like also go back there too. And, you know, it seems like it's really, I remember, I remember, he wasn't, you know, it's so interesting too, because he kind of had a similar, you know, he also, you know, really struggled to build study skills in high school too. But I remember it, like seeing it really worked for him. And I was like, wow, maybe I should do that too. And so I decided to actually like withdraw from my, from the school I was going to in LA and enroll in community college. And so I went back and then like, you know, I, at first I didn't want to live with my parents <laughs> because I was like, there's no way I'm living with you. But actually after like chatting, I got this wisdom that like, you know, if you live with your parents and like, just stick it out, you can like leave them forever. Right. <laughs> like once you get a job and I was like, okay, yeah, that actually sounds like, you know, I'm like, if it really doesn't work out, like we can just, you know, I can just like move on after college, you know, which, and so I ended up staying with them, but I realized like, that's what allowed me to like, I couldn't like escape, like, like fixing my relationship with them. And that's how we really like transformed everything. And I actually live 10 minutes away from them now because I don't want to leave because we have such a close relationship now. It's so funny, but yeah, like that changed. You know, in school, I remember when I was in community college, my first semester back, I was still kind of goofing off. But the grades I got back that semester were I got I was taking two classes. It was over the summer. I got one A and one C. And I remember looking at this and like thinking about that near close call I had back in L.A. And I was like, this is the same thing. Like, this is the same thing. Right. I can eat. But it's like I can either the rest of my time here can either look like this C or it can look like this A. Right. I get, and then I just, you know, again, like just get straight A's the next semester and transfer into, you know, like this amazing top university, um, University of California. Yeah. And just like now it's like the job. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I remember when 
I graduated, it was 2020 and like the pandemic, right? So I was like so stoked to find a job only to find out that like nobody was hiring anymore because there's this crazy unknown pandemic and feeling like just like so hopeless and like, but again, it's just like the same, you know, I guess, I guess really applying the same formula and yeah, like it just really like just now I'm looking back and like everything yeah, I don't know. It's like everything is so it's so different. But yeah, that's kind of how what the victory looks like. And it's the victory is still ongoing because, you know, life still gets, keeps getting better. And I'm still tackling my anger, even in my place of work. It's not completely gone. I still get like really irritated by, you know, situations, people. I'm in a, as a consultant, I work with a lot of people and like, you know, a lot of, you know, organizations that need help. So there's definitely a lot of like, people that get on my nerves and like, wow, like I just really need to like set aside my like, you know, resistance towards this person and unite with them, which is so funny. Cause you'd think it's like, yeah, I don't and like, you know, it, mm-hmm. I guess that now I know it always does come back to that, but it's just been such a joy to like go to like experience it over and over again in a weird way. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just like never gets old. Doing your human revolution never gets old. So. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, just like even hearing you share about this, I feel like like what an incredible ability to have the chance to develop when you're starting your life, you know, to like see yourself and to see a tendency that isn't serving you and then actually know how to tackle it. Like that's the ultimate skill to develop when you're beginning your life, right? Because it is going to show up in many different situations that will come and go in different chapters of life. But, but like to be able to trust yourself you know, and to be able to feel like you have, you can take full responsibility to change a situation. I feel like that's the X factor of Buddhism. Like that's what it gives you. So I I appreciate everything you're sharing. So I want to, I'm trying to think of like how to ask this, but I wanted to ask this question, which sometimes we ask on the show, because as you know, the show is called Buddhability and Buddhability is another word for Buddhahood or your own enlightenment, which is your own wisdom and courage and compassion that, you know, we believe everyone intrinsically already possesses but like to actually believe that to like feel like I'm a perfectly endowed person like everything about me is already wonderful it can be super difficult to do and I think when you're struggling with like seeing a life that you yourself are not acting as your best self all the time it might be even harder to believe so and yeah I'm curious what your relationship with like that part of Buddhism has been like and you know when you began to really believe in your own Buddha ability or your own Buddhahood. Mm, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's something like kind of, I, I mean, yeah. Every like experience I have, like always brings me down. Like actually, yeah. It always brings me back to like that realization. Right. So my relationship to it now, I don't know. Sorry, can you restate? Can you repeat the question again? Sorry, I'm like, of course. My head went in like ten billion directions. Like, uh, I know, and it was also really like yeah. kind of hard question. <laughs> yeah. Like, when, what, when do you feel like you started to really believe? Like, I do have wisdom and courage and compassion. Like, I do have mm. Buddhahood, and I really treasure myself and believe that I have this thing I can tap into. Yeah, it was really actually like when. Okay, no, I, it was actually really when. So. I'm going through all this, right? And actually there's a period of time, like kind of like between like community college and transferring to this, like I got these really great grades and like I had already started to feel like, wow, like things are really starting to change for me. But there was this period of time where I actually felt very like ashamed of 
who I was, what I had done and like, yeah, like all of that. Right. And I mean, of course I'm still even shedding right. Shame in that way. It's so much better, but there was a period of time where it was very like way more present, but you know, I, you know, friends in the Buddhist community and through like, you know, as like members of this, you know, practicing this Buddhism, we're encouraged to share our experiences. And a friend, she was like a little older than me. I really regarded her as like my older sister, like really encouraged me to share my experience, you know, and I guess it, it didn't really, I'm st- and I still struggle, like often I've still struggled with sharing my experience, but I remember like, you know, when she asked, I was like, Oh, I don't really know. Like, it's like, I don't think it's like relatable. Like she just really encouraged me to share. And I started to realize that like, People were actually really encouraged by what I had to say and what I had to go through. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like when I thought about sharing with people, I just thought they would be like, oh my gosh, like this person is so crazy. Like why is she so angry and like terrible? Basically, I can't relate to that and not that way. And I think some people maybe they don't struggle with anger specifically and maybe they couldn't like relate all the time. But there were I started to, you know, share my experience with people by supporting, you know, other, you know, young women in our Buddhist community and yeah, I just started. Yeah, they just started. I, they just, I just started to notice they were really encouraged and they were like, wow, that's like so me- amazing. I was like, really? And then actually there's this like, oh, there's this concept called like transforming karma into mission, right? In Buddhism. And that just means like transforming like all the stuff, all the karma you may suffer with. And like, instead of letting it cause you to suffer and be miserable, really transforming it and using it as a source to encourage people. I feel like, like, you know, when I started to study about that concept more, and as I started, you know, at the same time, sharing my experiences with young women, but it it put me in an environment where I was like encouraged to do that. I was like able to take those opportunities. Yeah. I really started to see like, wow, like I had to go through all of that. Like I have to be like Bodhisattva, super angry all the time. Right. To, or I have to be this person that like transformed this like very deep, like rooted anger that almost, you know, let it ruin her life to show others that suffer or in the midst of that suffering that they can do the same. Like I just started to realize, like, you know, there's no other, it has to be me. Right. Otherwise, like if someone was born, ended up with any of the circumstances, it was in any of the situations that I was in, like they wouldn't realize that they could overcome it, too. And so that's kind of like where I started to see myself as a Buddha. Right. And not just like, oh, I'm just like this reformed, like, you know, person. Right. I was like, wow, no, I was actually like that's part like my the mud, the muddiness in my life is actually like so much a part of like why, you know, I am so deeply valuable, right? And why I'm so deeply endowed, right? And yeah, it's like such a good feeling. I'm like, wow, like, I don't know, like, it's <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> yeah. So dope. Wow. I've never heard anyone put it that way, but I really love that, like the difference between like a reformed person and a Buddha. <laughs> yeah. Because right? I, yeah, I like, I feel like you nailed it in that sense because there it, it like buddhism isn't about like i used to be a bad person and now i'm a good person it's about this is what i struggled with and like yes maybe i made some mistakes and maybe other things i really loved about myself and maybe i'm still figuring most of it out but the point of all of that is so i can encourage other people and relate to other people and just be myself along the way yeah totally 
Yeah, I really love that. Yeah, I'm going to remember that. So you already touched on this, but I was going to ask if you have like a favorite concept or quote. And I know you mentioned karma intermission, but is there just to unpack that a little bit more like through this experience, is there a quote that you've sort of held on to or anything that you study that helped you sort of navigate the transformation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's on my, it's actually a a passage from the writings of Nichiren Daishonin. And yeah, it wasn't, I think, I don't think it was, I actually was a friend in the Buddhist community, the one that I regarded as an older sister, actually. I was like having relationship troubles with my now partner. Also, we had a toxic relationship that we transformed. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. (laughs) Like, by the way, also. So, but you know, I was really struggling with him and I, you know, I would always call her and be like, oh my gosh, like he's doing this or like, and I, it's like making me feel so terrible. And like, you know, I'm just gonna like give up and yeah, whatever, right? Like try to move on and maybe break up with him. But, you know, she read you know, this quote to me and she told me to read it until I believed it. And I couldn't even the first time. And I don't even know if I can now without crying because it's still it like even to this day reading it just like makes me like feel that whatever it originally sparked in my heart. But it says it's from this like writing. It's a writing by Mitra Naishonen. The title of this letter he wrote is to one of his female followers. It's called The Letter to the Sage Nichimyo. And it says, think of it, even if one were to meet a person who could cross the ocean carrying Mount Sumeru on his head, one could never find a woman like you. Even though one might find a person who could steam sand and make boiled rice of it, one could never meet a woman like you. You should know that Shakyamuni Buddha, many treasures Buddha, the Buddha of the 10 directions who are Shakyamuni's emanations, and like all these, he lists all these other Buddhas, and like doesn't, not really important, but basically he says like, you know, all these like other protective functions um, and other deities like will protect you, right? And like, I just like that beginning part, just reading that, like even if one were to meet a person who could cross the ocean carrying Mount Sumeru on his head, one could never find a woman like you. Like I just like read that to myself like over and over again. And yeah, I just, yeah, that's like my favorite. It still keeps me going to this day. Yeah, so that's my favorite mm-hmm. quote. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. You made me tear up too. <laughs> I I love that quote too. Yeah. It, Cause it, it, yeah, just like that, that like the importance of really treasuring ourselves, like no, no matter what, no matter our circumstances or how we're feeling or what we're going through or how much we like ourselves or other people like us, like all of the things that make people suffer and go up and down every day, fundamentally to believe that like you are a treasure and unique and have a purpose oh my gosh is the hardest thing ever mm-hmm. yeah it's <laughs> the like most important some... yeah no totally totally it... but yeah I think like yeah just to be able to you know yeah like anger and all right like one can never meet a woman like you wow oh my gosh yeah <laughs> I really love that. Yeah. I So before I ask my closing closing question, which is how we always end the show, I just wanted to kind of circle back to today's theme and try to unpack one last thing, if you're okay with it. Because yeah, yeah, I feel sure. like what you've described um, or this journey that you've described, which of course I'm sure, you know, you're still on this journey. It, it, these things don't just like end. But what you've described is like this deeply internal process of identifying something deep in your life that made you suffer that showed up in different places and then like steadily doing the work to win over that Mm -hmm. and still believe in yourself and treasure yourself and one can apply that kind of to any situation or anything they might be feeling it could be somebody struggling with anger it could be something else so I just wanted to break down for anyone who's like totally new to Buddhism like day to day 
what was that sort of formula for you? Like, what did it actually look like where you were like, okay, I'm in this battle. So this means I chant every day, obviously, like, and what else? Just if you had to look back for someone who's like, where do I start? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely chanting every day. If you, I mean, like, of course, like I, you know, still like don't, I, oh, I mean, of course, like it's a lot better than it was before, but you know, there's still some days I'm not able to chant, but just like being able to like try. So, but yeah, chanting. Also, I think really like studying as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so studying the Buddhist teachings also like, that's like the other thing I mentioned, like always being connected to friend, like friends in, you know, our Buddhist community, you know, they're so, of course, like I have like friends, obviously that like are in our Buddhist community and like, I really treasure them as well. But, you know, friends in faith, you know, as we say, friends in the Buddhist community, like quote unquote friends in faith are like just people that, you know, we're all working together to practice this Buddhism So it's kind of like being at a gym, right? Or like doing like a martial art. You want to do like the martial art or like you want to join like a group, right? That's like kind of doing the same thing as you so you can all do it together. And I know that like there might be like a lot of resistance like, okay, why? But like, and that's totally fair. I still feel there's definitely times I'm like, I don't know if like, you know, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but like, I don't know if that can apply to me right now or I really don't feel like doing that. That's okay too. As long as you continue to practice, you'll start to become aware that that's actually causing you to suffer and become naturally motivated mm-hmm. to like not resist it anymore, basically. So yeah, that's like, I don't know. That's my answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super, super helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think to summarize, just re- being really open. I think, yeah, that's maybe like something that like a quality that I have about myself to like elevate to other people to have as well as like just being really open to things. You know, it might be harder from for than for some folks than others, and like that's okay too. Maybe you can chant to be more open, but like, you know, so yeah, yeah just being really yeah. open to all the things and like, yeah, so yeah, amazing. Thank you, yeah, thank you for indulging that question. <laughs> it's so. just like crazy. Sorry, not to interrupt, but it's just like crazy. Now that like I just said it out loud, it's just like crazy. That's like all it boils down to. I was like, wait, <laughs> I feel like there should be like a part B to my answer, but no, that's it. Like you know. It's yeah, it's simple. It like if you practice it, you're right. <laughs> it is quite simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. so, okay. I, I know I said that was going to be my before the closing question, but if you're okay with one more and this is personal, so totally feel free if you don't feel like sharing, it's okay. But just like going back to the anger one more time, you know, I feel like we talked so much about your, like what changed in your behavior and how you did it. But in terms of just like the Jamie that was feeling all of that anger and like Jamie now, you know, I'm curious, like what you feel like, like, how does she feel now? Cause just like, even if you don't do anything about the anger, like feeling anger itself is painful. Like it's just a, as a person, you know, and I imagine that alone, we didn't even get into that, but I'm sure that suffering was a whole different dimension for you. So I'm curious, like, yeah, how's that Jamie feeling now and what changed? Yeah, you mean the angry Jamie, quote unquote. You know what's so funny? It's the same angry Jamie. It's just not at the center of my freaking life, you know? Like, huh. it's the same, like, you know, I, yeah, it's the same angry part of myself. I'm just, it, but it's not like a, it's not in the driver's seat. Like, my Buddha nature is like far more often in the driver's seat. You know, sometimes I have like slip ups, right? Where like one day it'll be like, okay, like definitely angry Jamie like came out today, you know, <laughs> and like just took over and had a field day. But that's like, you know, few and far between. Um, I'm able to notice it. I'm able to like, I'm able to like to put my Buddha Jamie at the center. But yeah, like, I just think that's like the most beautiful part about this practice too, right? Because 
like, I don't know, like we don't have to change anything about ourselves in order to become happy. Right. It's just like, you know, letting the most highest version of yourself sit in the driver's seat Hmm. and, you know, yeah, just like let those other parts of you kind of serve their own purpose or like create value in like the way that's best for them. Right. Like I still, and you know, cause like, like I said, like I still have like an angry nature and like, you know, sometimes I'll like get down about it. I'm like, wow, like I thought I would like move past this, but actually like, because I still get angry, I still have stuff to chant about. I still have stuff to transform. And I have even more circumstances to really like encourage and empower other people going through the same thing. Like, Hey, if you're angry like me and you're struggling with this, like, don't worry, you can transform it with this practice. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to let it suffer. You don't have to suffer from it like forever. Right. So it's just like, yeah, that's like what I meant by, I just wanted to, I guess like, that's what I meant when I said like letting that, like your Buddha nature, like, like kind of illuminate no, I completely yeah. know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, actually, I'm so happy that you shared that because that, yeah, what a perfect analogy for it. Like that same angry part is there, but like it's just not driving. That That's the goal essentially for anything that we might suffer from. And I know that there's like a school of thought. This is also an aside, but that I have always found so interesting in psychology that that does that describes exactly that. Like we have all of these different parts and they all serve different functions and Sometimes like one just takes over and all you need to do is put like your best self back in the driver's seat. And I feel like you just described exactly that, which is Buddhism. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. This has been amazing, Jamie. Thank you so much for sharing all of this so honestly. So I'll move to my closing, which is just, we always close the show with the same question and you've already touched on so much of this, but If you could give one piece of advice to anyone who's listening, who's new to chanting and maybe currently struggling to really win over their own negativity or anger or disbelief or whatever their version is, what piece of advice would you give them? Mm, Gosh, like it's what I said earlier. Like, I think not only sometimes, like, I think to be really just open, open your heart, right? Because sometimes when we say open, like, people immediately just think of, like, oh, just be more open-minded to, like, new things. And that's, like, a part of it, too. But I also think just, like, being really, like, honest with yourself, right? I -hmm. remember being in denial at times that I was suffering so -hmm. badly, right? Because I was so closed off to my own, like, to what I really felt. I didn't want to admit I was just this miserable person because who wants to do that, right? But I think like, I would really, like the advice I would get is, yeah, just really, I think, I know it's hard, but like, if possible, just really like, and you can chant about it too, just really trust that you can be open and you're really open with yourself while you're chanting. Like, there's no way, there's no way, you know, you're safe, basically. You're safe. You can realize like, oh my gosh, I'm this miserable person, but it's okay because like, because you're chanting about it, you know, we can turn that into something. I want to leave you today with the following words from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda, who writes, There is no youth without suffering. Therefore, the only choice we have is to win over our suffering or be defeated by it. He continues elsewhere. What is life's purpose? To be a winner, to be happy, What is happiness then? At its essence, it is fulfillment to wear the golden crown of your own deep personal satisfaction. What then is fulfillment? It is fighting against difficulties, 
Without problems, without challenges, there can be no fulfillment. And without fulfillment, there is no happiness. There is no happiness without hardship. It simply cannot exist. People tend to forget the process, the path of battling hardships, and search only for the end result, the destination of happiness. Overcoming hardship and suffering is happiness replete with genuine fulfillment. On that note, if you're new to chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo and you'd like to learn more, we have plenty of resources at bootability.org. And as always, if you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can always email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.